Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The wellness community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. When a person is diagnosed with a devastating disease like cancer, their first thoughts uh, almost always focus on saving their life or extending it for as long as possible. It doesn't take long, though, for the realities of paying for treatment, care, and other related costs to come into play. A cancer diagnosis can have massive financial consequences. As reported on NPR and other news outlets, cancer survivors are nearly three times more likely to file for bankruptcy than people who have not been diagnosed with cancer. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I and everyone at the cancer support community believe that people are empowered by knowledge. We need to have more conversations about managing the cost of care and connecting patients with resources to help them so that patients are making informed decisions, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. I am thrilled to have with us today some of the leadership from Good Days, an organization that specializes in providing financial help to seriously ill people. With us are Clorinda Wally, the Executive Director, and Randy Odobrowski, the Chief Operating Officer. But first, we're going to speak to cancer survivor and lifelong humanitarian Len Rogers. Len's humanitarian work has taken him across the Middle East and Central Asia, and Len is no stranger to facing crises. He and his family were evacuated from Lebanon during the Six-Day War in 1967, and that was not his last experience with war in the Middle East. But in 2003, Len faced a different kind of crisis when he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Thank you for being with us today, Len. Great to be with you. I'm really looking forward to it and excited to talk to you. Excellent. Uh, But before we get started, Len, um, tell us how you're doing today. Well, um, I turned 80 last November. I go to the YMCA for their 50-plus exercise program every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I still ride my bike, and I'm not retired, and I work 8 to 10 hours each day. Currently, among other things, helping provide 100 uh, strollers for Syrian and Iraqi children, refugees, who have serious mobility problems. These strollers also help the mothers to get out and shop and do something outside of their temporary refugee shelter in um, Adana, Turkey. Um, I always tell people who ask that it's, my answer is that it's by the grace of God, Mayo Clinic and an outfit called Good Days that I'm alive. And I'm delighted to uh, share with you um, the, the uh, tremendous uh, success that uh, I've had with uh, my cancer. Thank you, um, Len. So, Len, why don't you tell us a little bit about your life right before your diagnosis and what sought you to, um, you know, what led you to seek some medical attention for what some of your symptoms were? Yeah, I was in Bishkek in Kyrgyzstan um, where we had established a wheelchair factory and a center for rehabilitation for children with mobility challenges. 
Kurdistan was formerly a part of the USSR and uh, when the country became independent from Russia during the Reagan administration, we established the first factory for wheelchairs in all five of the stands, you know, stands like Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and ours was in Kyrgyzstan. And uh, lots of people used to ask me, where is Kyrgyzstan? And I enjoyed saying, it's not at the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> while, they're, while they're observing the work, uh, while I was there observing the work in the factory in the rehab center, I became sick, which was unusual for me, and simply could not find out why. I was lethargic. I could hardly get out of bed. I, um, I finally returned to Arizona via Istanbul and London, and before I could go to the doctor, I was home and reached up to get a box of cereal off the top shelf and broke my collarbone. It just snapped. Mm. Oh I went gosh. to the ER, but uh, they, they did an x-ray and told me what I already knew, that um, I could feel it, that... Uh, the collarbone was broken. I could feel the mm. end that was sticking up. But I continued to feel bad, and finally um, they set the bone, and I, I had a bone biopsy in the sternum, and the doctor told me that the results of my broken bone in my shoulder was because I had something I'd never heard of before called multiple myeloma. All of this took time, um, about three months, um, and uh, then I uh, then I discovered um, that they wanted me to have radiation uh, to uh, you know for multiple myeloma, and I had already heard that only one percent of all cancer patients in America at that time had multiple myeloma and therefore mm -hmm. was little research money available and I went home to my wife Pauline with the news that the doctor gave me and the doctor said I had two months to two years to live mm. Mm. Um, what year was that Len? I'm sorry what year was that? that was 2003 that was about wow. 15 years ago wow wow and Len, let me yeah let yeah. me let me get a little bit to I want to get a little bit to some of the the yeah. uh, you know the cost and financial issues. So did your you know insurance uh, cover the cost of your treatment? You know what were some of the financial ramifications of this diagnosis for you and your family? Yeah, I, w I was really fortunate uh, in that we did have uh, Medicare, and uh, we also had a supplementary insurance and. Uh, all of that only happened about three months before I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So that was very timely. And um, then um, I had a friend, uh, church suggested I go to Mayo Clinic, and she had had the same disease and was very insistent that I go there. I, I went, and the original diagnosis was confirmed. And Dr. Reeder at Mayo, a leading world expert on multiple myeloma, asked if I'd consider entering a clinical trial. Um, that means uh, an experimental um, trial, and, um, and drugs that are experimental, are not, they don't charge you for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, 
Uh, and this drug, particular drug, had not been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. And mm-hmm. I immediately said, said yes and went on to say, what is there to lose? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a person with faith. I believe in the grace of God. And so it was a win-win. The experiment worked. Yeah. I'd live. And if not, I'd go where my faith in God would take over. Yeah. But I also yeah. had to think of my wife, my three grown children, six grandkids, and we yeah. all got together and took some time, and I broke the news. Mm-hmm. So, Len, I want to. Um, so, I know some of the some of the costs, you know, significant costs were covered. Some of it through Medicare, some of it through the clinical trials. But then, eventually, um, that was not the case, and you turned to to Good Days for help. Can you That's just take right. a minute to tell us about that? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, Dr. Reeder at Mayo Clinic, his nurse, said to me uh, when I started having to pay $13,000 a month for a, an approved drug, uh, the out-of-pocket was astronomical. And uh, she said, have you tried uh, Chronic Disease Fund, which is now called Good Days? And I said, no, I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gave me the address, and I wrote, and they sent back uh, a form that I filled out. I sent them my 1040 tax form, and they saw my uh, financial situation. And I was surprised how quickly they responded. Mm. And actually, it was a lifesaver. There's no other word for it. It was absolute lifesaver. So, so Len, we have a couple more minutes together, and, um, you know, I'd love... Uh, you know, for those who are listening in today, I'd love to hear what advice you have for someone, you know, maybe who doesn't want to reach out for help. Maybe they're hesitant to discuss their financial situation with the medical team or others and reluctant to reach out. What advice would you have for those folks today, Len? Well, um, people want to help. Um, um, you know, as a man, I'm reluctant to ask for help like a lot of men. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to be self-reliant, but uh, when you're faced with uh, insurmountable problems, you realize that you better, um, you know, you better be realistic and uh, ask for help. And uh, I did that um, with help from my wife, Pauline, and um, it was uh, amazing how quickly. Well, we, we, we did the math, and we found out that if we continued the way we were without help, that we'd be on the street in five years. Mm, mm, just, mm. Uh, and so that kind of motivates you toward <laughs> doing something. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and tell us about the kind of help you received from Good Days. Well, um, um, like I mentioned, I have uh, Medicare and supplementary insurance, but the out-of-pocket uh, was high, very high. And, uh, you know, this $13,000 for 21 capsules. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, also Good Days uh, told me that I could apply for transportation to and from uh, Mayo Clinic. I live 22 miles one way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they amazingly helped me also with my transportation as well as the out-of-pocket. And I'm able to work and do what I, uh, what I enjoy doing 
more than anything um, helping other people. And I've told so many people about good days and um, about my treatment, and uh, actually it's become a kind of uh, side occupation. <laughs> and yeah. it, uh, it's yeah. a joy. And, and even good days has encouraged me to tell others, and I've, yeah. I've done that with a, a lot of enthusiasm. And Len, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're really a, uh, you know, you're a humanitarian and, you, you know, you're someone who spent your whole life, you know, giving to others and, and, um, and, and still doing that today, uh, you know, after, um, after all of these years. And it's, um, it's really just, uh, just incredible to hear your story. Um, you know, as I said earlier, you, you know, you, 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 you're no stranger to facing a whole host of crises through your international work and, um, you know, throughout many, many decades. And yeah. uh, it's just um, great to hear that, you know, that this was an organization that was able to help you, somebody who's been giving your whole life, Lynn. So I really um, appreciate you uh, taking some time with us today. I appreciate you coming uh, onto the show. I appreciate you raising, um, you know, raising awareness of the, uh, you know, of the good work uh, that Good Days is doing. We're going to uh, take a quick break here uh, right now, and then we're going to dive in uh, to learn a little bit more about Good Days. But thank you, Len. Um, we we, uh, we hope you have a great day. We wish you lots more, uh, lots more health and wellness, and, and uh, we really cheer you on as you're going out uh, to help others. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by AstraZeneca and Lilly Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo. We're today talking about the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis. We're now joined by Clorinda Wally, the Executive Director, and Randy Odobrowski, the Chief Operating Officer of Good Days, an organization that provides financial assistance to seriously ill people. Uh, Clorinda Wally is the Executive Director of Good Days. She has led the charity uh, for more than 20 years of experience in the healthcare industry and more than eight years in strategic philanthropy. She oversees the operations, staff, and programs for Good Days, as well as the expansion and execution of its mission. Clorinda is an expert in access to care issues that patients face every day. Welcome, Clorinda. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And Randy Odobrowski has more than 19 years of leadership experience working with Walgreens throughout the United States, including in various pharmacy settings, such as mail service, home care, home infusion, hospice, long-term care, and specialty care. He focuses on providing the leadership management and vision necessary to ensure Good Days has the proper controls, procedures, and systems in place to deliver solutions for patients centered on advocacy, care, and service. Glad to have you with us, Randy. Thank you, Kim. Glad to be here and appreciate the opportunity and time. Absolutely. Um, So uh, Dr. Yusuf Zavar of uh, Duke University School of Medicine coined the term financial toxicity to describe the devastating impact of dealing with the cost related to uh, a cancer diagnosis. Um, Clorinda, explain to the listeners what Dr. Um, Zafar meant by financial toxicity, and do you think it's an accurate term? Um, Absolutely. And and first, I absolutely believe it's an accurate term. And simply stated, it's the inability to afford your treatment along with the everyday costs of living. And, you know, we've seen and I've seen for the last 20 years that that, that the costs are exceeding to get larger and larger with patients having the inability to afford their treatments. And so financial toxicity or distress is a very real problem for cancer patients. Cancer is among the costliest medical conditions, and survival depends on being able to access and afford treatment. And what's really unfortunate is that one in eight people are said to turn down cancer treatment because of the costs. Looking Mm. at the Journal of Clinical Oncology, they reported that cancer patients who declare bankruptcy have less likelihood of survival than those who do not. And we all know patients with cancer need every option for survival. Their treatments come with lengthy lists of unfortunate side effects, and bankruptcy should not be one of them. Yeah, I know. We think about, Clorinda, we think about, you know, nausea, vomiting, and hair loss. And, and, you know, when we think about toxicities from cancer, right, we think about those kinds of toxicities. So the idea of sort of, you know, financial toxicity, it really is another side effect of of getting a cancer diagnosis, isn't it? It is. And more and more so alongside with financial toxicity, we're seeing the need for psychosocial support. You know, two things that people don't like to talk about, their mental health and well-being and their financial means. 
most definitely. Very private topics, but that really do come to the fore in the light of a cancer diagnosis. Um, Randy, we know uh, that the cost of, of cancer treatment is high, um, and we know that yeah, that, that um, uh, more and more patients have you know, deductibles, out-of-pocket costs, transportation costs, childcare costs, lost wages, you know, when dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Do we have an estimate of the cost? Do we have an estimate of the, you know, the kind of debt that people are incurring? What kind of studies or data do we have on this? Yes, Kim, there are definitely uh, some ranges and estimates to provide, but I think the key piece to understand is that um, the financial impact depends on both diagnosis and treatment for each individual. Uh, where it's uh, where there is some commonality, obviously, is the high costs that continue to um, grow and impact a, a person's life and everything around them. But if we want to look at um, some statistics, I, I like to look at the Journal of Clinical Oncology. You know, newly approved cancer drugs, uh, you know, cost on average about ten thousand dollars per month, with some of these therapies topping greater than thirty thousand. So it's a, uh, it's a significant amount of dollars. Uh, patients often pay you know, approximately a third quarter of the cost of that each year, and even counting monthly premium expenses, it's, it gets pretty expensive for them. And that leads to death, which can be very staggering and, and at times unrecoverable. So the, the, the true impact of the, of the cost of these medications is obviously that impact the people and everything around them, and that obviously contributes to the financial toxicity that Clarinda just spoke about. So, Randy, I know that... Um you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of good news in cancer in terms of new treatments coming out, right? This whole new field of immunotherapy, immuno-oncology. We're seeing, you know, uh, uh, lots of great advances um, in treating cancer, you know, more targeted therapies, personalized therapies. Um, is there a significant difference in the cost for traditional treatments like chemotherapy or radiation versus some of these new, more cutting-edge treatments like immunotherapy? You know, I think regardless of the treatment cost, it's, a, uh, it's become a standard issue across the, the healthcare spectrum and a major topic of conversation across our country on a daily basis. You know, immunotherapy specifically can be particularly costly. However, when it comes to an unexpected diagnosis, there's really no way in advance to know which category of treatment a patient will fall into. So as you kind of deal with that, preparing financially for an event is, is no small challenge. You know, mm -hmm. different treatments work for, for different people uh, in their specific situation, and, and, and there's a lot of factors that play into that. We can look at diagnosis. We can look at treatment history, um, their overall health, um, including other conditions that they may have. So you see a lot of patients who have comorbidities, and all those kind of play a, a, a factor in, in the treatment they need. And um, at that point, is cost a factor when it comes to when, it, when you have to look at it being uh, the key to them surviving or extending their life? To, to enjoy what we all should enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clarinda, I know our research at the Cancer Support Community on access to care and costs has shown that, you know, many families are making really significant trade-offs in an attempt to manage their, their health care costs and the cost of care. Can you tell us what patients are telling you about some of the difficult choices uh, that they're making when, you know, trying to figure out what they can afford, what they can't afford, and how they really, you know, go forward with their cancer care plan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and Len um, stated it um, very nicely when he yeah. sat down to look at his medical costs. You know, he, he wouldn't survive after five years. And yeah. today, the, real, the reality is people are having to choose between feeding our, my family, um, having a car, um, having the ability to afford rent. And, and the, the most concerning piece for me in all of this is also choosing not to take the medication. 
And so the one thing that provides hope to keep them stable and alive, they're making decisions like maybe if I take the medication every other day, mm-hmm. maybe if I ask my pills. And so, you know, and, you know, they have no desire to put their family in any type of, of, of stress. So many of them take the burden upon themselves and, and will, will do anything to try to, to, to get assistance. You know, I've had people on the telephone who've lost all hope. Um, making decisions, you know, one of the most unfortunate calls I've ever had, and it was very sad and disheartening for me, was a gentleman who was like, you know, I, I can't go on. I can't afford the treatment. I can't afford to put my family in this position. You know, my, my, I feel as if my only choice is to burn down my house. I mean, this is how mm. real it is. Um, and, yeah. and it's scary. So they're, they're making everyday choices on how they want to survive. And it's not a survival on, you know, steak and champagne. You know, you're right. looking at, right. you know, skipping meals, skipping medication. Right, 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 right. You know, um, Randy, in the last couple of years, we've been seeing this term underinsured used a lot in the media, especially with the Affordable Care Act and things like that. What does that term mean, and how do you know if you fall into that underinsured group? Yes, Kim, you know, the term has definitely become more commonplace, and and that's very unfortunate. You know, I think there's different ways to define, again, based on individual situations like I spoke about earlier. Uh, But what we do know is that it affects way too many people. You know, I look back to a definition that I saw from the Commonwealth Fund back in 2015, that uh, defines a person who is underinsured as having an annual out-of-pocket medical expenses, and that's excluding premiums that, up, that add up to 10% or more of the household income. And I think when you look at that, the cost of medications, which we spoke about earlier, tend to even exceed that. So, you know, that, those high deductibles um, definitely uh, just, it, it's, it's, it's very tough for these individuals to deal with that piece. And to your, to your, to your other side of that is, you know, the reality is you really don't know what that financial impact is going to be, um, whether you're insured or not or underinsured. And, you know, realistically, we hope that we honestly don't have to make that decision. But it's definitely a reality that we all have to face uh, just because of the nature and the growing nature of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clorinda, um, you know, you've been quoted as saying, I have yet to hear a financial advisor ask a client if they'd like to plan their retirement with or without cancer. <laughs> um, uh, we've got a, just a minute or two until our break here, but um, do you think cancer or, frankly, any major disease in general, uh, for that matter, should be part of all financial planning conversations? Oh, a- absolutely. You know, again, I like to go back to, like, hard numbers. So um, according to the American Cancer Society, in 2018, there will be an estimated $1 million 735,000 new cancer cases, resulting in 609,000 deaths. So that's 4,750 new cases a day with 1,670 deaths. Um, So I think it's very important, but the, the hardest part about it is the problem becomes, like, how much money is enough? And more importantly, how can it be achieved when millions of Americans pre retirement are struggling to afford their basic necessities of life? Um, and so, you know, it's a difficult situation, but I, I certainly believe that there's a 40% chance, again, according to the Na- National Cancer Institute, that we will get cancer in our lifetime, 40%. And that number increases year over year. And so certainly, you know, I, I don't think that we can depend on the current healthcare system to be our answer. It, you know, it's unstable today. It may likely be unstable in the future. 
And so planning for it is, is essential. And, you know, I think that um, we all have to keep it as a part of our, our daily life, whether, you know, you're making $20,000 a year or $100,000 a year. Um, the fact is that we can't depend upon, you know, our health care to cover all mm-hmm. of our costs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Uh, we are talking with Clorinda Wally and Randy Odobrowski from Good Days. We're talking about the uh, financial burden uh, of a cancer diagnosis and uh, the burden that that brings to families and how folks can plan and 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 uh, what some what some of the resources are uh, out there for folks who are facing a cancer diagnosis and dealing with some of these um, financial challenges. We have a lot more. Uh, to talk about with Randy and Clorinda. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Insight Corporation, Novo Cure, and Taiho Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're fortunate today to have some great guests who are helping us really understand the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis. With us today to help make sense of this difficult topic are Clarinda Wally and Randy Odebrowski of Good Days, which is an organization that provides financial help to seriously ill people. Clarinda is the executive director and Randy is the chief operating officer. Um, Clarinda and Randy, you both worked in the for-profit world before um, joining Good Days. Full disclosure, in a previous life, uh, I worked for the Swiss uh, pharmaceutical company um, Roche, but um, I was surprised to see that you both worked in um, specialty pharmacy. Randy, um, can you explain for our listeners, uh, you know, who may not know what that means, what what specialty pharmacy is, 
Um, and maybe tell us a little bit about um, uh, why you moved over to the nonprofit world after so many successful years with uh, Walgreens. Definitely, Kim. I will. Uh, I will try and keep this definition short because I could talk about Chelsea <laughs> Pharmacy for hours. But you know, to, 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 to most people, they think of the traditional pharmacy model with the pharmacy on the corner where you go and get your antibiotics when you're sick or your maintenance medications such as blood pressure pills or cholesterol pills when you need them. But um, especially pharmacy has really um, grown in the area of pharmacy and, and is the, remains the highest growing uh, area of pharmacy to this day, especially in the area of oncolytics. You know, specialty pharmacies, uh, they're special in the sense of uh, they have to coordinate all aspects of patient care, not only prior to, but once a patient is on medication. And that involves working with, with uh, prescribers, with insurance companies, with anybody across that healthcare spectrum that potentially can touch that prescription and care for the patient. That includes special handling of, of the medication and shipment, storage requirements, a lot of different uh, compliance and adherence reports so to make sure that the patient is responding to therapy, that the patient is aware and knowledgeable of what the therapy is going to bring to the table. So it's kind of a comprehensive care model from a pharmacy standpoint um, with specialized drugs and specialized requirements that the traditional model doesn't have. Got it. Got it. To answer your second question, you know, why I chose to um, move over to the nonprofit space, particularly with Good Days, is in, in working in specialty pharmacy, I work with organizations like Good Days on a regular basis, and, and my team did. And the key piece is providing a solution for patients and, and getting them their medication that they need so that they can live a normal life as, as best as possible, even with their chronic disease or, or illness that they're, that they're dealing with. And in working with Good Days uh, as a partner, uh, I really got to see firsthand what the organization stood for, patient first making sure that that patient um, uh, doesn't have to deal with extra red tape, that the process is as easy as possible where available, and or if good days can't help, connect the patient with the solution where possible down another avenue. And I really appreciated that. Once I joined the organization and saw firsthand on a day-to-day basis our patient navigators and the culture that our leadership team has created, I knew it was the right move because it's what it's about. I'm a patient myself. Uh, I have uh, uh, my family, uh, um, our patients with different chronic diseases, including cancer. So to see this happen on a day-to-day basis, have the impact to make a difference for someone and relieve some of that burden that, unfortunately, disease brings, uh, I'd sign me up any day. Nice. Nice. How about you, Clorinda? What made you switch course? Well, so similar to Randy's background, working in specialty pharmacy, I was, um, you know, the the department where every day we're talking to to people who are suffering from these rare and life-altering diseases who can't, who can't afford their treatment. And not always was there opportunity to find them this assistance. It was heartbreaking. Um, and during that time, probably within my, with my last few months, I became very ill. Um, and I, too, had worked with, with Good Days back then. And, and, and it, was, it was very rewarding to me when I could tell somebody on the telephone, you know, don't worry, there's an organization out there that can help. Um, I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis um, at at the time that I had the opportunity to come and work with Good Days. And even as much as I knew or what I thought I knew about healthcare, um, it was difficult. The the navigation. So it doesn't matter how how educated you are. Mm -hmm. Once you get diagnosed with something like this, you, 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 you lose Every like you're, you don't know you're you're worrying about your family you're worrying about your kids there's so many different steps that need to be taken and I I was pretty much in, in a standstill not knowing what direction to go 
Um, so com- coming to Good Days was, I mean, it, it was the best decision of my life because it not only provided me the opportunity to help those um, who are in need of assistance, but it opened my eyes to the reality of chronic disease and how it affects not only you, but the people around you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, Lorna, that's a good um, kind of segue. Um, I- I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about Good Day's mission. Um, who does it help and how? Absolutely. Um, so our, essentially our mission is to um, help pay the copays for life-extending and life-saving treatments for people who are otherwise unable to afford those treatments, as well as offering patients and families additional financial help, including emotional support and guidance to the best available information and support for each specific disease state. Our, our vision is to have a world where no one has to choose between treatment and the necessities of life. And so, you know, we're, we're dedicated to supporting those with life-altering conditions from chronic to terminal disease. Um, and we do so in part by helping patients pay for what insurance um, won't um, and alleviate any of that burden. Um, but I think that we do more than simply provide financial support. From day one, we've provided answers and information, connecting people living with these conditions to the appropriate foundations and support groups, also helping them guide through an opaque and ever-changing healthcare landscape. You know, we're here to listen, we're here to respond, and, and we're here to care. So, so Randy, I, you know, I've heard a lot of patients say when we sometimes, you know, refer them to different foundations and resources that might be able to help them, they think, well, I, I'm not going to qualify for that. Those are programs for poor people, right? Um, you know, or, or I don't know, I don't really deserve that help. There's probably somebody who needs that more. You know, am I really the right person for this? How, how do we help people kind of overcome those misconceptions about these assistance programs? Well, I think, you know, a part of it is, is um, Number one, being aware of it, right? So our goal as an organization, obviously, is to help as many people as possible within the regulatory guidelines and compliance requirements um, that, that our business model allows. But with, um, you know, traditional copay needs or assistance, you know, we have to have a target audience. And, and that's that underinsured group that we spoke about earlier. Um, because, again, from an income level, uh, they're not there. They don't have the money to afford the high costs that, that, that come from getting sick. And again, they never asked for that. So, um, you know, based on that, th- that combination of under, being underinsured and, and their income level um, increases that out-of-pocket piece, and that's kind of where we come in. So, you know, we have clear guidelines established for patients so that um, they can qualify, and the key piece is getting them to, to understand that piece and then working through that process that we have in place to, make that, to allow that to happen. Uh, but the key piece, again, is being aware that there are services like Good Days Out There that can help patients when they come across a situation of need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Randy, can you um, describe the application process again? It sounds like it could be overwhelming. Is it like applying for a mortgage, applying for financial aid for college? I mean, are we talking about stacks of financials and history and years of reports and things? You know, unfortunately, we've been able to move further. So, our, you know, our key goal is to, to, to make sure that any application or enrollment process is as simple as possible. And, you know, we understand we're, again, patients, we're people. It's about people helping people that patients have to focus on their lives, and, and, and now they've had an a, a extraordinary situation happen to them. So we want to make it as easy as possible so that they don't have to, to, to go through a lot of red tape. Um, we try and relieve that burden of paperwork where possible. So, 
Um, obviously, we talked about our patient navigators who are available via phone. We also have electronic options available through our different portals and website. Um, but for folks who feel comfortable still, you know, filling out paperwork in the traditional sense, uh, we still allow that as well. You know, our patient care navigators are trained and, um, and valuable wellness partners for anybody who calls into us. And that could be patient, loved one, advocate, uh, uh, everyone, everyone that could fall into trying to help a patient get to where they need to be um, to try and identify available resources. Um, and, and that's the key piece. And as I mentioned earlier, if we're unable to help a patient through our own organization, it's helping them connect with another organization, whether it be financial needs for psychosocial support, as Clorinda talked about earlier, or any other need that they may have. And, and that's very important mm-hmm. to us. It's, again, about helping people get what they need. Yeah, yeah. Clorinda, we've got a couple minutes until our break here, but can you speak to the stigma that some people feel, uh, you know, about asking for help or maybe feel kind of getting into the official system? Oh, I'd rather just take the money out of my you know, retirement fund or kids college fund or rather just borrow some money from my brother or, you know, I, I feel like sometimes it's hard to talk about these financial issues. It's very personal. Well, it is. It absolutely is. Um, and, you know, one of the things I want to say is, you know, all again, when you're given one of these life altering diseases, I, it, it's hard to want to ask for help for anything. So when I got sick, I didn't want to ask for help. It's a pride. It's a proud thing. Um, mm-hmm. But understand that what we're doing is not giving you something that you shouldn't receive. I mean, mm-hmm. you have people like Len Rogers. They've worked all of their life. They've, they've tried to make all the right decisions. And now they come to a point in their life to where they're in a, in a, in a bad financial situation, not because they didn't prepare, but because they were given a disease that they weren't expecting. And so mm-hmm. we have a strong desire to help. And, you know, the hardest thing to do is just pick up the phone. And I assure you that once you do, you'll, you'll know that, we're grateful for it, and we're not giving you something you don't deserve. We're helping you so you can continue to live the life that you were given and be that support for your family. Uh, and just before we uh, take the break, Clorinda, and we're going to repeat this after the break, but how do folks find you? Um, so many different ways. Um, typically, because of the type of medications that they're taking, healthcare providers, um, specialty pharmacy will tell them our website, um, www.mygooddays.org. Uh, okay. And so you go to any of those things. You can Our phone number is on there. It's a good way to connect with us. Great. And we'll repeat that after the break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking to Good Days and about the financial support and assistance that they provide to people with serious illnesses, uh, including cancer. We uh, do have more to discuss with our guests, Clorinda and Randy from Good Days. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. This is Kim Tebaldo. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and today's episode is being brought to you in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, Celgene Corporation, EMD Serono, and Takeda Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. We've been having an in-depth and insightful conversation about the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis with Clarinda Wally and Randy Odebrowski of Good Days. Good Days is an organization that specializes in providing financial help to seriously ill people including those with cancer. Uh, I can't believe today's episode is nearly over. I still have so many questions um, to ask you guys, but I'm going to force myself to uh, prioritize and try to get the most important ones in uh, before we um, run out of time. Randy, is it more difficult to find financial assistance if you're diagnosed with a rare cancer? Or, I mean, does that make a difference? You know, Kim, I think the, the, the sad part is that it's unfortunate and unfortunate to, to, to realize that you know, finding assistance is becoming more difficult across the board. And we mm-hmm. go back to talking about the, the specific group of underinsured patients that, that we service are the Medicare population. And, um, you know, the, the need far exceeds the, 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 the dollars needed. And that's not just in the area of oncology, but it's, it's, it's other traditional chronic diseases if we're going to categorize them as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and especially mm-hmm. as newer diseases or, or newer classifications come out, uh, it becomes more of a challenge. And, you know, it, it all comes down to funding availability. If the funds are available, then you can definitely provide that assistance. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the need, unfortunately, is far greater than those dollars available. So the difficulty continues to increase. And that's the the sad part of our business on a day-to-day basis is we want to help as many people as we can, and, and unfortunately, we can't help everyone that needs it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Clarinda, what, one of the things that, that, that I struggle with sometimes is understanding sort of who's responsible for this conversation. Um, you know, a lot of our patients tell us the doctor never brings up money or, or, or finances. Um, patients don't even know what they don't know. Um, not all practices have nurse navigators and financial counselors. And, and, you know, if you're diagnosed with cancer, what do you need to know? When do you start these conversations? So, and so that's, you know, that's the difficult part um, because today's model isn't built to to support and reimburse the healthcare providers to, to develop and spend the time that they need to discuss with the patient the many distresses that come with cancer, including um, financial toxicity and psychosocial support. And so what we've realized here at Good Days is we're all responsible. Um, so I think that we all have a fundamental, fundamental responsibility to take care of the people around us. And so until our healthcare system changes, um, organizations like Cancer Support Community, like Good Days, um, and others like us are going to be responsible for trying to, to put enough resources out there and spread the word through every resource available, whether that's Facebook, you know, Twitter, your um, website, conversations like this to try to inform people of the different types of assistance that are available to them. Um, but, but again, I think that the, the two pieces that we're missing to, to fulfill the, the, the healthcare circle is psychosocial support and financial toxicity. So, Clarinda, the, the cost of care seems to be in the news a lot lately. I mean, it was obviously came, came you know, to light quite a bit through the Affordable Care Act and now with the tax bill and the partial repeal of ACA. Um, so, you know, what do you wish that legislators and policymakers understood about the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis? And, you know, is there a sort of a, a you know, an ask or a call to action for those folks? There is. And so, you know, today's treatments aren't like they were in 1982. You know, we've mm-hmm. got revolutionary medication that is, is not, it's, it's turning terminal illness into chronic disease. Mm-hmm. I mean, living proof of what these medications can do. And I think what the, our legislators need to do is, is gain a, a, a true understanding of, of what the need is, what the costs are, um, because the patient doesn't determine those. We don't determine those. You know, you get diagnosed, you're you know, you're going to choose or your pr- provider is going to choose the medication that is going to best treat your disease. And so we need our congressmen and our legislatures to get behind the fact that the average American that we help here at Good Days, we help about 130,000 patients a year. Their average income is $36,000. $36,000, their out-of-pocket costs for their insurance for these drugs are about $30,000. Mm-hmm. So th- there, there's, the, the two ends don't meet. Um, yeah. You know, we're a bridge to better health care. Um, and, you know, federal regulators and even some insurance giants want to do away with organizations like us. And that puts sick and financially constrained patients in dire circumstances. And it just makes no sense for the, for the government to, to not aid us or prevent us from assisting people with, with these conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are there any specific policy or legislative initiatives that we should be keeping an eye on, Clarinda, right now? Um, well, yes. You know, there is one that's called um, the Access to Marketplace Insurance Act. And what's taking place today is there's um, so many charities like Good Days help some patients who can't afford their premiums for their insurance plan. And so far, there's been 42 states where the insurers are denying coverage to patients who receive assistance from a nonprofit to cover their premium. And, you know, this is, this is unfortunate. And we're, we're not talking about, we're talking about people who have terminal and chronic disease. They, they can't get health care 
they can't get treatment if they don't have insurance. Um, and so last week we got about 100 co-sponsors in the U.S. House of Representatives on a proposed bill to correct it. Um, and, you know, the issue has to do with harmful CMS guidance that allows insurance to reject our payment. So I think that this is a very important one. Um, and again, it's called the Access to Marketplace Insurance Act, which essentially will prevent insurance plans from rejecting a charitable um, company from paying a patient's premium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and Randy, as we get to the end of the show, just, just uh, uh, quickly, how, do you, how is Good Days able to do what you do? Do you have partners? Do you have funders? Who's funding your work? Can you just take a minute to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, you know, I think there's, there's uh, different ways in, in which that we're able to provide the support. Obviously, we have both corporate and, and, and grassroots initiatives for donations. Um, that allow us to uh, provide assistance to patients. It's working in collaboration with the different healthcare um, providers out there. So again, we talked about specialty pharmacy earlier, but also providers. And then most importantly, it's it's connecting with 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 different groups, advocacy groups, other folks who have who put people and patients first, and then figuring out how to how to how to work on solutions that not only mirror our initial model of providing financial assistance, but also expanding it to other areas such as that psychosocial support as Clorinda talked to and other means to make um, the lives easier for folks affected by chronic and and life-altering diseases. Got it, got it. Uh, Clorinda, um, as we wrap up here, tell us again how folks find you, how folks learn about what funds and resources you have available. You know, give us a little bit of of a roadmap. Absolutely. So the best way to kind of find out all the different resources that we have available is to go to our website, which is www.mygooddays.org. Um, and certainly we work with many healthcare providers in the country as well as well as specialty pharmacy who are very familiar with our services. But certainly the best way would go to our website. There's a lot of navigation. Um, and then they're also free to call us um, at 877 Seven two three three. Why don't you say that number again? And they're also free to call us at 877-968-7233. And our patient navigators will be waiting to help. Terrific. Uh, Clarinda and Randy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's really been a pleasure, and we're really happy to raise awareness of these important resources for patients and families. I'm Kim Tebaldo from the Cancer Support Community, and I just want to remind folks about our many free services for people with cancer and their loved ones. Uh, We have uh, 47 centers around the country. We have support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with all cancers and their loved ones. You can uh, visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org or call our helpline, and you can speak to one of our counselors today at 888 Seven nine three nine three five five. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. support community.org.